Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. It's the great chapter of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And as David said, we've got plenty of opportunities for prayer. And I was also thinking with the uh, Tuesdays 12.30 to 1, I know that not everyone can make it uh, here at church, but I do want to allow people to get involved. And I just want to encourage you, uh, if you're at work, why don't you take a lunch break at 12.30 and just unite with us in prayer, wherever you might be, or you're at home and can't actually get to church, but why don't you just just make a time, quiet time, be by yourself and and just pray, pray for the church and let's believe that God is going to do some great things through us. Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to read verse 21. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. Why don't we just uh, grab it from verse 20, uh, but I want to focus on verse 21. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And so, Father, I just thank you for your grace. We recognise, Lord God, it's not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And Father, if there's any capacity to speak the word or hear the word, we recognise that it's only by the Spirit of God. So come by your Spirit, Lord God. Fill the house with your glory, Lord God. Father, we haven't come to hear an individual, but we've come to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that in the midst of all the words that shall be spoken, that we will hear the word of the Lord for our hearts and lives. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Come against it in the name of Jesus. Let there be nothing in me that hinders, Father, this word. I thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, Lord God. Be glorified today, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen Amen. and amen. Uh, Well, what a great day it is. And as David's already honoured the dads of the house today, we certainly as a leadership team want to do that. Yeah, come on, let's give them a hand. On behalf of... uh, Uh, The team here, we want to just say a big thank you to the dads, how you support your families, your children, your home, and how you contribute to the well-being of this house, uh, of this community, of the church community and the church family. We're living in a crazy age today where the role of dads is being questioned and turned upside down and and being analysed at every single level. John Eldridge says, society at large can't make up its mind about men. Having spent the last 30 years redefining masculinity into something more sensitive, safe and manageable. It now berates men for not being men. So I want to encourage you not to be influenced by what society is saying. A word for the men. I don't want you to be influenced by what society is saying, but what the Bible says. Can I hear an amen? I want you to be influenced by what the Bible says about you. Be a godly man. Be a worshipper. Stand for godly values. Stand for truth and righteousness. As Paul says to the Corinthians, be watchful. And I think it's a word for men today. Be watchful. Open your eyes. Watch. Be, stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong and let all that you do be done in love. 
Now, when it comes to Father's Day, um, we need to acknowledge it's not a happy day for everybody. Uh, for some, uh, they've had a great relationship with their dads. God bless you. And uh, it's fantastic. And Father's Day is a day to celebrate and a day to acknowledge what, you know, what God has done. But for others, they've, they've had a difficult relationship with their dads or no relationship at all. And for others, it's, uh, as David said, you know, maybe dad's no longer here with you. Or for some others, you'd want to be a dad, but you're not a dad just yet. Wherever you find yourself today, I believe that God wants to speak to all of us today. I believe that God has a word for all of us here today. And I want to speak on the subject, the power of a father's blessing. I want to speak on the subject, the power of a father's blessing. Now, in Jewish culture, uh, when fathers uh, were getting older, they would speak a blessing over their children. They'd gather their children in and they'd, they'd, they'd speak a blessing over their lives. It was a blessing of encouragement. It was a blessing that spoke about the inheritance that they might receive. And it was also many times a prophetic word about their future and about what God would do in their lives. Abraham spoke a blessing over his children's life. Isaac over Jacob and Esau. And in the text that we read, we have Jacob speaking a blessing over his grandchildren. Background of the story uh, is that Joseph had been sold into slavery uh, by his brothers. We know the story. You recount it back in, in, uh, in Genesis. Uh, as far as Jacob knew, his, father, his son Joseph had actually died and, and was no longer alive. But as we know, uh, Joseph became the number two in Egypt. After 13 years of slavery and uh, uh, of being imprisoned, he ended up becoming the number two person in, in all of Egypt. And in a time of famine, his brothers came to Egypt to get some wheat. And it's a powerful story. A lot of the book of Genesis is dedicated to the story of Joseph. And then there's this beautiful um, unification with, uh, with Joseph and his brothers. And eventually Jacob is told that Joseph is actually still alive. And there's this uh, great scripture in the Bible. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis 45, 26, it says this, um, when he was told uh, that his son uh, Joseph was still alive, when Jacob was told that, the Bible says, um, they told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's the ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He didn't believe them. Uh, one translation says his heart stood still. When he heard the news, Joseph was still alive. He was, he was stunned. He was, uh, he was shocked. Um, and I believe that God wants to bless us in such a way that our hearts will be stunned. Can I hear an amen? I, I believe that the God that we serve is a God that wants to bless us in a particular way where we're going to hear some news. Something's going to happen that's going to, that's going to make our hearts be still. That's going to stun us. Now in the text, Jacob is getting old. Joseph wants him to bless his two sons. And so he brings them um, to him, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh is the older, Ephraim the younger. And, Jace, and Jacob uh, speaks a blessing over their lives. As we read in our text, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So you get the picture here. Uh, Jacob is uh, leaning on his staff. He can't see really well. He's getting old. Uh, and uh, as, he, as he leans there, uh, as he's there in front of his sons, he begins to speak a blessing over their lives, a blessing that influences not only their immediate lives, but a blessing that actually speaks of what God was going to do in their lives, through their lives. It was a blessing that incorporated generations 
in their lives. There's a couple of really simple thoughts I want to kind of pull out of this text that I pray uh, is going to speak to all of us today. No matter where we are, that God is going to actually speak to us about uh, the power of a blessing, uh, of a blessing over our lives. So first principle that comes from the text, you can write this down in your notes, is to never underestimate the power of our words. Never, never underestimate the power of words. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, Blessed, He spoke a blessing over Joseph's sons. What's interesting about the concept of a, of a blessing is they were just words, just very basic words. Um, they were a few words that were spoken over their lives. Words in and of themselves are powerless. In fact, we speak thousands of words every single day. And a lot of the words um, um, don't have a lot of power in them. But in the midst of the thousands of words we speak, there are some words that seem to stick. There, there, there are some words that seem to have the power to, to, kind of, to kind of stick to our hearts and in our minds and we don't forget them. I remember when I was in, I think, grade seven, grade six. I can't remember which one it was. But I remember um, writing my name down on, on a piece of paper at, at, at school, whatever it was. Um, for those that don't know, my name is actually Giuseppe. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So is Pastor Joseph's, his same, same name. <laughs> and anyway, it's uh, supposed to be spelled G-I-U... Anyway, I was spelling it G-U-I, G-U-I-C. And in front of the class, she said, you can't even spell your name, in front of the class. I haven't forgotten, there it is right there. This is years and years and years ago. There are some words that seem to have an incredible influence in our lives, either for the good or for the bad. Some words that seem to stick in our minds, stick in our hearts. There are so many scriptures that speak about the power of words. Proverbs says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences of it. I love that scripture. Those who love to talk, be careful because the words that we speak have the power to either bring, bring life or they have the power to bring death. Proverbs 10:11, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The, the, the words of a godly person actually bring, bring life. They're a, they're a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. James says the tongue can cause a lot of damage and it's difficult to tame. Of all the parts of the body, the worst one, the hardest one to tame is the tongue. And it has so much power and he uses different analogies. You know, the, the, the idea of a spark and the rudder on a ship and so on. Uh, it's talking about the power of the tongue. How many people know uh, that you've said something, um, uh, just flippantly said something and then found that your foot was firmly planted in your mouth? <laughs> How did that get there? Text says, by faith, Jacob blessed his grandchildren, which means he understood the power of his words. He understood the power of a blessing. He understood that there was something very powerful about blessing his grandchildren. He had faith to believe that the words he would speak over his grandchildren were influenced not only their lives, but the generations to come. It's the power of a blessing. If we're going to understand the power of a father's blessing and by the way, a mother's blessing, a friend's blessing, a significant other's blessing. We need to get a revelation of the power of our words, the incredible power that words can have in our hearts and in our lives, the power of our words to actually do good in people's lives. 
that when we speak God ordained, God anointed, spirit filled words over the lives of those closest to us, those words have the power to change people's destinies. It's the power of our words. Um, Jacob could have said, when Joseph brought his, brought his, uh, his sons uh, to, uh, to Jacob, Jacob could have said, well, well, what do you want me to bless them for? He could have said to Joseph, are you serious? What's the point of that? Oh, you want me to say something over them like as if what I'm about to say over their lives is gonna really change them. It's really gonna make a difference. Jacob could have easily said of those things, but the Bible says that by faith, he spoke certain words. By faith, believing that they could change their destiny. By faith, meaning it was meaning was he, the words he was about to speak were not evident in their lives just yet, but he spoke them by faith, believing that the words that he said, what he declared over their lives would one day come to fruition, would one day come to pass. That the words he would speak actually would form something and shape something in their lives. That would, bring, that would bring honour to God. The Bible says, now faith is the confidence than what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We speak words by faith. We don't see them yet. We haven't seen the accompaniment of those words yet, but we speak them by faith because we believe that the words that we speak actually have power, power to change, power to transform, power to heal, power to bless. I love the scripture because it says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see. Can't see it right now, but I believe it's gonna come to pass in the name of Jesus. And then it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. They weren't commended for their wealth or their intelligence or their abilities. What they were commended for was their faith. And they, and they spoke words of faith. And by faith, Jacob spoke a word of blessing over the lives of his grandchildren. And it changed their lives. Never underestimate the power of your words. Never underestimate the words that come from your mouth because they have the power to change people's lives, either for the good or for the bad. But we're going to believe in the name of Jesus that our words are going to be used to bring healing and blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Second thing we need to understand is the power of worship. First, we need to understand the power of words. Next, we need to understand the power of worship. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Now, what that speaks about is, is this. This is the principle. Um, the effectiveness of our blessing or the words that we speak are directly correlated, directly related to the effectiveness of our worship. The words that we speak are directly correlated or related to the, to the effectiveness of our worship. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what's inside of a heart? Watch the words that come out of our mouth. It's a reflection of what's going on inside of us. And if we are worshippers, if we are people that worship God, that love God, that, that, that glorify God, then, then, then that's, that's going to be expressed in the words that we speak. What, make it, what made Jacob's words so powerful was that he was a worshipper, was that he worshipped God. Question is then, well, okay, well, well, what is a worshipper? What is a worshipper? Often we think worship is singing. Pastor Joe, we worshipped this morning. Songs were amazing. Um, and singing is one of the ways that we express 
our worship to God, but it's not worship. It's part of our worship, but it doesn't embrace all of what worship actually means. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is an attitude of the heart. Uh, worship is embodied in the first commandment where, where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's worship. It's loving God with everything that we have. It's loving God with everything that we are. It's loving God. Worship is all about expressing our love for God. It's, it's expressing our love for God with all of our heart, emotions, passion, thoughts, and uh, the things that we do. What makes singing powerful, it's, it's, a, it's an expression of our worship. It's, it, 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 it's, the singing is a, a vehicle for us to express our worship. It's not worship, but it gives us an opportunity to, to express our worship. So often in worship, we lift our hands. Never be afraid to lift your hands. What is it about lifting our hands? It's an expression of worship. It's an expression of surrender to God to say, God, I love you. Lord, I, 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 I praise you. I worship you. I surrender to you. You're everything I have. Worship says, I love you, Lord. I, I want to serve you, God. I want to spend time with you, God. I want to please you, God. I want to become like you, Lord. Worship is about our devotion to God. Worship is about, is about glorifying God. Worship is recognising who good God is. It's acknowledging His greatness. It's thanking God for all He's done. It's expressing our desire to know and to love God in a great way. As we spend time in His presence, worship. It's worship. I love, there's nothing greater than being able to worship God and to glorify God and to, to magnify. It's an expression of the heart. It's, it's an expression of what is happening inside of us. It's the desire of our soul. I love, I love the, 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 the fact that, you know, uh, one day you, someone came to, to Jesus and said, out of all the commandments, which one is the greatest? Out of all of the, and by the way, the, 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 the Pharisees didn't have just the 10 commandments that we know. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of commandments. You know, subclause 4.2 of commandment number three, you know, and this is what you need to do. And so they, they had developed this whole, you know, commandment for every day kind of thing and, and so on and so on. And this man comes to Jesus and he says, out of all the commandments, which one is the greatest? And Jesus says, just one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And number two, love your neighbour as yourself. It's love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. It's love God with everything that you have and everything that you are. I love you, Lord God. It's expressed with our mouth. It's expressed with our words. Our worship is expressed by being in the house of God today. It's expressed by actually being here. It's expressed in our worship. I love you, Father. I love you, God. It's the greatest commandment because everything else flows out of that. Everything else flows out of our devotion to God. Everything else flows out of our love for God. I love you, Lord God. And as we begin to worship, as we begin to express our worship to God, something begins to change inside of us. Something begins to happen inside of our hearts and lives. David, who's one of the great worshippers, said, Oh, bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I love this scripture. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be on my lips. What, what, what is the thing that's on our lips? What is the thing that's on our lips all the time? What are the things we speak about all the time? What are the things we focus on all the time? David says, I'm going to bless the Lord all my soul. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall always be on my lips. When the words we speak come from a worshipping heart, they start to become more effective. 
as we spend time in the presence of God and worship God, as we do what we do every single day in our lives with an attitude of worship, something changes in our hearts and our words become more effective, powerful, life-changing because they end up coming from the heart of God. The words we speak then have the capacity to stick for the good. And that's, a, by the way, and a, and a, a principle that applies to all of us. Not just a principle for dads. It's a principle for all of us. It's a strong correlation, relationship between our worship and our words. The more you spend time with God, the more you spend time in the presence of God, the more you worship God. It's, uh, Pastor Joe, do I have to go be alone to worship God? No, you can go about your daily business, whatever it is that you're doing. But it's, it's Lord, I just thank you for who you are. Can be said verbally, but can you can be a thought in your mind, Lord? I just thank you for everything you're doing in my life, Lord. You're an amazing God, Lord. I thank you, God. Lord, you've done so many good things in my life. It's thanking and worshiping God, and and that's a principle that applies to all of us, um, uh, dads, dads, mums, everybody. That uh, there's a strong relationship between our worship and and uh, and and our blessing. But let me speak to the men in particular. Paul says to Timothy, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. It's just a powerful scripture. He says to Timothy, and by the way, sometimes when the Bible speaks about men, it's kind of speaking about women as well, and it's kind of uh, speaking about everybody. But right here, this is actually speaking to the men. And he says to Timothy, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. There's something very powerful about a man that prays. Can I hear an amen, man, in Jesus' name? Never underestimate the effect a praying man can have on a home. Yeah. One encouragement everywhere, not in a condemnatory, kind of legalistic kind of way, like, you know, you're not praying enough because the devil's telling us that already. You need to pray more. You're not, uh, not that at all. I don't want that. That's not what I'm speaking about. But I want to encourage you. Be a person of prayer. Be a person of prayer. Be a person that worships. Be a person that speaks, that seeks after God. Be a person that prays for your family and your marriage. Be a person, what, what is a prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. Be someone that prays. Find some time to be by yourself and pray and cry out to God and seek after God. Pastor Joe, what's the best time to pray? Whatever suits you. Double points if it's four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, double points. Just putting it out there. I can never get up at four and pray. That would just wouldn't work for me. But uh, find out what works for you. It's get by yourself. Find a time, find a place and, and, and be by yourself. That's all in the scriptures, by the way. Find a time and find a place and be by yourself and talk to God. And talk to God. And say, God, just pray for my family. Let the Spirit of God be upon my home in the name of Jesus. Just pray in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus. Five minutes is... Is, is going to change your trajectory of your home and your family. But just pray uh, and, 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 and allow God to use you in an amazing way. The effectiveness of our words is directly correlated to the effectiveness of our worship. The greater our worship, the deeper our worship, the more we spend time with God, the more anointed our words are, the, 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 the more power there is in the words that we speak in the name of Jesus. Third principle to come out of the story is that the blessing applies to you. I know some of you here today, you're saying, well, Pastor Joe, that's why I'll never be blessed. My dad doesn't love God. My mom doesn't love God. 
My dad doesn't worship, doesn't pray. Dad left mum years ago. Don't even know who he is or where he is. Everyone else has a godly father. Everyone else has a godly grandfather, a godly heritage, a godly family. You speak about the power of Father's blessing. It's something unique about it. You speak about it, but I'll never get that from my father. If that's the way you think today, there's just one more principle to come out of the text that I pray will speak to all of us. Detail of the story is actually found in Genesis 48. And as I said previously, Jacob was getting old. And so Joseph brings his sons to Jacob. That was the custom of the Jewish people that the firstborn son would get the greater blessing. How many firstborn sons do we have here? How many people like the the Jews? Um, So the, the idea was the firstborn son would get a greater blessing, would get a greater inheritance, um, a position of influence, favour, sort of belong to the first son. Um, and so Jacob was to put his right hand, which was the right hand was actually uh, a sign of power and authority. Bad luck lefties, but uh, so the right hand was, a, was a, a, a power and authority. And uh, that was to go on to Manasseh, which was the oldest son. And his left hand was to go on Ephraim, which was the second son. Here's here's what the Bible says. But Israel reached out his right hand and instead of putting it on Manasseh, the firstborn, he puts it on Ephraim's head, the secondborn. And though he was the younger and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. And then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and, and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. He speaks a blessing over them. Now, when Joseph saw this, when when, when Joseph saw that Jacob had crossed his arms, kind of got like, he's a little bit upset. And he says to Jacob, no, Jacob, you've, 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 you've made a mistake with the blessing. Um... And, uh, and, and Jacob says to him, no, the younger one will be more blessed than the older one. So I, I want you to see the two brothers as representing two kinds of people. I don't want this to be a, you know, first, second, it's a, you know, I don't want that to be. But I want you to kind of see these two brothers as two kinds of people. I want you to see Manasseh, the older brother, as those who always seem to get blessed. Those who are always first. Do you know, any people know someone who's got a born with a silver spoon, you know, like everything they have and seems to go well. Everything goes well for them. They're always favoured. Nice families, nice houses, nice cars. Their Instagram posts are always nice. Nice fielders. Christianity has been in their families for generations. They seem to be blessed. And then there are the rest of us, we never get blessed. We're always second. Our families are dysfunctional. <laughs> Parents are divorced. We're the only ones saved in our family, just. <laughs> we don't have a Christian heritage. We have a heritage filled with trouble and challenges and difficulties. And Everybody else gets the blessing, but, but not me. Not a, Pastor Joe, I understand this whole thing about the Father's blessing, but it ain't going to happen to me because I don't have any of those good things. I'm, 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 that's never going to come to me. 
If that's how you feel today, I want you to know the God we serve is a God that loves you. And He cares about you. And at times, the God that we serve is a God that will cross His hands. That at times, God chooses to bless the most unlikely people, the broken, the fragile, the small, the insignificant, the order. He chooses to bless them and use them for His glory. The Bible is filled with examples like this. When Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons, he saw the older brothers and said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God chooses scrawny David, youngest David, shepherd, tending sheep, because there are times where God will cross his arms. God chooses a Moses. God chooses an Esther. Both of them were adopted to be used by God in a powerful way. Um, God choose, chose the disciples who were ordinary. The Bible tells us they were just ordinary people. These were not exceptional people. They were fishermen, ordinary fishermen. Um, and the uh, book of Acts tells us that these were ordinary men. But God used them to change the world because there are times when God will cross his arms and bless. God created you for purpose. God created you for purpose and he wants to bless you. One more thought to come out of the story. I certainly don't want you to, I want to, don't want to diminish what I've, what I've spoken about today and the power of a father's blessing. I believe in it. Believe, believe in that very strongly. And I certainly don't want to diminish, in that, diminish that. But it's important that we understand that all of us have not just one father, but we may have up to three fathers. We can have a biological father. We can also have a spiritual father. And we also have a heavenly father. The blessing of a dad is powerful, but never underestimate the blessing of a spiritual dad. Never, never underestimate the words that can be spoken over our lives from a, from a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. I've had countless spiritual fathers speak over my life. Powerful, powerful words that have shaped who I am today. Um, and that's why I believe strongly in the value of all that. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Paul says, I became a father to you and spoke into your life. It's the value of a spiritual father. Paul says to the Thessalonians, for you know how we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. It's the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica. He says, I treated you like a father would treat his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God. By the way, there are three great things to do as fathers. You want to speak about the role of a father? What is it? Yeah, our role is to encourage, to comfort and to urge people and to urge our children to live lives worthy of God. Press into God. Paul was a spiritual dad to Timothy. He went on to be used by God in, a, in an absolute powerful way. Now, as much as the blessing of a biological father is great and a spiritual father is great, 
They are nowhere near as powerful as the blessing of our heavenly Father. I want you to know that God loves you and he thinks the world of you. And the greatest blessing that we can receive over our lives is the blessing that comes from our heavenly Father. This morning I read in Galatians, it says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. So, so often as Christians, we say, you know, I'm a servant of God. And that's, by the way, a really good thing. God calls us to serve. But the servant of God description of ourselves is more about our function. It's about what we do. It's the way that we serve God. We, we, we serve God with, a, with, the, with the heart of a servant, but it's not our identity. Our identity needs to be uh, sonship. It's I'm a child of God. And it's important that we get a revelation of that. As I said in Galatians, because you are his sons, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, which is Daddy, Daddy. We need to get a revelation in our hearts that ultimately that we are his children. Uh, John 1.12 says, whoever believes in his name who receives Christ has the right to become children of God. We are children of God. And while we were born into human families, we, our, our, we did not begin in a human family. We didn't begin in the mind of our natural parents. We began in the mind of God. Um, uh, God, said to, God said to Jeremiah, He said, before you were even conceived, I knew you, I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. And as parents, we're custodians of a gift that God has given us, the gift of children. But you did not start in your, in your natural parents' mind. You started in, in, in God's heart. And so God is our Father. And we need to get a revelation of that truth. It's a powerful truth. I'm a child of God. I'm not just anybody. I'm a child of God. You know, the story of the prodigal son and um, the prodigal son, you know, he's, he's rebelled against his, his father and he's, and he's gone away and now he's lost everything. And he starts to think, you know, I'm going to go back home and be a servant. And that's how many of us think. Many of us, for, for many of us, our relationship with God is master servant. And when he gets home, uh, the, Bible, the Bible tells us his father, he throws a party. He doesn't treat him as a slave. He treats him as a son. We are sons of God. We are, we are, we are daughters of God. We are children of God. We are, we, and when you get a revelation of that, it's going to change your life. God created me. I, I, I didn't begin, thank God for natural parents, spiritual parents and all the rest of that. But I didn't begin there. I began in God's heart. God has created me for such a time as this. He has a purpose for my life. Before I was even born, He said, this is what I want you to be and this is what I want you to do. He loves me. God loves me. I love the words that were spoken over Jesus when God on the, there on the Mount of Transfiguration, God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. I love him. I love her. And in him, in her, I am well pleased in the name of Jesus. And some of us need to get a hold of that. Well, Pastor Joe, my, my natural parents don't like me. Blah, 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 blah. And nobody loves me and nobody cares about me. I think I'll eat some worms, fat worms, Juicy worms, skinny worms, long worms, worms, worms. Forget about all of that. God, our heavenly Father loves us. This is my beloved Son. And in Him I am well pleased in the name of Jesus. When you get a revelation of that truth, it's going to change your life. I'm loved by God. Warts and all, even with all my mistakes and with all my shortcomings, God loves me. He cares about me. And He cares about you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Worship team, come.
seminary professor was vacationing with his wife in Tennessee. One morning they were eating breakfast in a little restaurant hoping to enjoy a quiet family meal. While waiting for the food, they noticed a distinguished looking white haired man moving from table to table visiting with guests. Professor leaned over and whispered to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. But sure enough, the man came over to their table. Where are you folks from, he asked in a friendly voice. Oklahoma, they answered. Great to have you here in Tennessee, the stranger said. What do you do for a living? I teach in a seminary, he replied. Ah, oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a really good story for you. And with that, the gentleman pulled up a chair and sat down. Professor groaned and thought to himself, great, just what I need, another preacher story. Man started. See the mountain over there? He pointed out the restaurant window. Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey boy, who's your daddy? And wherever he went to school, in the grocery store, drugstore, people would ask the same question. Who's your daddy? He would hide at recess and lunch. Time from other students, he would avoid going into the stores because that question hurt him so bad. When he was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to his church. He would always go in late and slip out early to avoid people asking the question, who's your dad? One day the new preacher said the benediction so fast he got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. Just about the time he got back to the back door, the new preacher, not knowing anything about him, put his hand on his shoulder and asked him, son, who's your daddy? Whole church got deathly quiet. He could feel every eye in the church looking at him. Now everyone would finally know the answer to the question, who's your dad? New preacher, those sensed the situation around him and using discernment that only the Holy Spirit could give, said the following to the scared little boy. He says, wait a minute. I know, I know who you are. I know who your dad is. For the split second, the boy thought, does he know what no one knows? Does, does he know what I've been trying to search all my life? He said to him, I see the family resemblance now. You are a child of God. And with that, he patted the boy on his shoulder and said, boy, You've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. With that, the boy smiled for the first time in a long time and walked out the door. A changed person. He was never the same again. He got a revelation that he was a child of God. And whenever anybody asked him, who's your dad? He would just say, I'm a child of God. That distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said, isn't that a great story? The professor responded and it really was a great story. As the man turned to leave, he said, you know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was one of the God's children, I probably would never have account, amounted to anything. And he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife were stunned, called the waitress over and asked, do you know that man who was just sitting at our table? The waitress grinned and said, of course, everyone knows him. It's Ben Hooper. He's the former governor of Tennessee. That story was his story. Greatest blessing that we can receive is the blessing comes from our Heavenly Father. The Bible is filled with blessings. Read the Bible and you'll see thousands of blessings spoken over every child of God. Let me give you a few. Psalm 20 verse 4, May God give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed in the name of Jesus. Psalm 67 1, May God be gracious to you and bless you and make His face shine upon you. Ephesians 3.16, May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. And may you be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Ephesians 3.17, may Christ make His home in your heart through faith. 
Philippians 1, may your love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of our Father. Colossians 1, may you be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. Colossians 1, may you be filled with joy. 1 Thessalonians, may the Master pour on the love so it fills your life and splashes over on everyone around you. 2 Thessalonians, may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the last of the blessings, well, we're going to sing it together in the name of Jesus. And we're going to speak this blessing over each other's lives. Would you stand with me as we sing together in the name of Jesus. So Father, today we speak a blessing over every individual here today. That every individual would experience the blessing and the favour of God. We thank you that you created us for such a time as this. We thank you that we're not an accident, but that we're here by divine appointment. And there's no greater joy, Lord God, than to serve your purposes. No greater joy to know you as our Lord and Saviour. No, no greater joy than to, to develop our relationship with you, and to serve you and to glorify you. I pray for every individual here. I pray for every couple here. I pray for every family here. Let the blessing and favour of God be upon them. We bind every work of the enemy and every attack of the enemy in the name of Jesus. And we just pray that your spirit would come upon them. That they would know you in a greater and, and, and deeper way, Lord God, that your purposes would be accomplished in their lives. Be glorified today, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name.